Hi friends and welcome to Ollie Ted Talks, a podcast by me, Ollie Ted Lewis, where I share conversations with friends and stories about things like pop culture, travel, comedy, music and LGBTQ plus issues. Each episode I dive into a different topic of the week and then I share any questions, stories and thoughts from you, the listeners. I also share my album of the week, the album that I think you should be listening to after this podcast episode is finished, of course for no other reason than the fact that I like to think that I've got impeccable music taste, but you can be the judge. Then I share with you something that I love uh, and something that I hate uh, from the week. I'll try to keep it topical, but to be honest, I don't watch the news, so we'll see how that goes. This week, I'll be sharing my favourite pop culture icons and discussing naughty's moments that defined my childhood. I'm talking Britney, Christina, Top of the Pops, X Factor, Cheryl Cole. Now, I have got a bit of a potty mouth, so if you're surrounded by kids or people who are easily offended, you might want to pop your headphones in for this one. But other than that, without further ado, I think we should crack on with the show, don't you? Hello friends, good morning, good evening, or good afternoon, depending on what time it is, (laughs) or where in the world you're listening to this from. I'm Ollie Ted Lewis, and this is Ollie Ted Talks. Now, it has, it's been a while, I know I shouldn't have kept you waiting, but I'm here now, as the wise Britney Spears once said. Uh, Yeah, it's been a hot minute since I uploaded my last episode, but I'm back. Uh, I just, I think I needed to take a couple of weeks out just because, you know, March has been a pretty grim month for, I think, everyone here in the UK. We're still in, like, pretty much total lockdown apart from schools have gone back. And so, uh, yeah, it's been a pretty rough month. Um, Had a bit bit of a wobble earlier in the month. And I just thought, you know, having just done the self-love episode with Natasha Brown, I was like, I definitely could benefit from taking a little bit of time out for myself, you know, showing myself some self-love and, uh, yeah, giving myself a min. But I'm back now. I'm feeling much better. We're almost in April. There's going to be some restrictions lifted here in the UK. Oh, honestly, I could cry even thinking about it. You know, even just, even, well, we've got like the hairdressers and the barbers are opening, um, the gyms are opening. And I feel like having a haircut would just like take so much weight off me. Like, emotional weight, not physical weight. Like, you know, going to the gym would take the physical weight off. <laughs> and believe you me, a lot of that is piled on too. But no, just having having a haircut, being able to look in the mirror and be like, I look well presented, would be, it would make a nice change, I'm not going to lie. Um, I've been making like a few TikToks the past week. Um, if you haven't followed me on there, I'm at Ollie Ted Lewis. And um, <laughs> like... A few of them have got quite a few views, and I'm thinking, God, these people who've seen my videos must think, who is this rough-looking person? Because I- <laughs> I'm not looking my best, I'm not going to lie. You know, hey, it's part of the look at this point in my TikTok, is that I'm just in my PJs with my hair looking an absolute mess. I just, I think that is my TikTok vibe, to be honest. I mean, we're in lockdown, though, so what else would you expect? <laughs> I'm just, like, getting ready for all the Gen Z users of TikTok to, like comment really mean stuff on my on my videos being like who is this weird gay boy with draco malfoy's haircut 
<laughs> Actually, they probably wouldn't call me gay boy, would they? They're pretty woke Gen Z. Um, they'd probably just make some comment about the bags under my eyes or something, which, fair enough, hey, but um, at least I can remember life before Instagram and wasn't raised by my phone. So, there. Anyway, uh, speaking of being raised, uh, <laughs> I am going to talk about my favourite childhood icons that raised me. I mean, they didn't raise me. My mum did. But, um, yeah, I'm, I want to talk about, like, the pop culture icons of my childhood. I've said before that this podcast was kind of... The idea of it was inspired by the fact that I really like to talk about pop culture. So I figured, why not dedicate a whole episode to the icons that kind of made me and everyone around me realise that I was gay? Because while everyone else was obsessed with football and wrestling and, you know, all that other shit, all the other boys my age loved it, I was... uh obsessed with the newest Madonna music video. So <laughs> so yeah, this week's topic of the week is pop culture icons, specifically ones from my childhood. Now I mentioned before, I think in episode one, that I used to be like completely obsessed with the charts. Like I would sit and listen to them count down from like 40 to 1, the entire charts. And I can actually remember the exact week that I first really started to love pop culture in the charts because... I remember that it was the week that Christina Aguilera's Dirty got to number one in the UK charts. And I remember that same week, Danny Minogue, I Begin to Wonder, was number two. So, you know, these two female pop icons being number one and two in the charts was what spurred me on to be obsessed with the charts. (laughs) Obviously gay from a very young age. I think maybe I was like seven or eight years old at this point. And yeah, I remember being obsessed with the dirty music video, which actually is kind of inappropriate for a seven or eight-year-old to be watching now that I think back. But in my household, we actually used to watch like a lot of films that were definitely rated older than we should have been watching. But actually thinking back, I don't think it had a negative effect on us whatsoever. And I don't actually really believe in shielding children from like swear words or like cussing or like anything of that nature. Like, I think kids are a lot smarter than we give them credit for. And yeah, just because they are aware of swearing or violence doesn't mean they're necessarily going to copy those things. Obviously, I don't have kids, so I don't know what it's like. But when I grew up, you know, I always heard swear words. I had watched films with very adult themes. And, you know, I was aware of all that stuff. I was never shielded from anything. And I think it's a good thing because it kind of I mean, why why do that, you know? Obviously, there's certain things that you should maybe not show your children or, like, say in front of them. But, I mean, my parents swore all the time when I was a kid, and me and my younger sisters wouldn't dare swear in front of them, you know? Like, we knew that we weren't allowed to do it, but we also knew that those words existed and all kids are going to hear them around the school. Um, But anyway, I'm not anyone to comment on how other people raise their children just my personal opinion anyway i've gone way off track here um i'm talking about oh yeah that that incredible week i think it was 2002 dirty was number one and i used to watch so it was top of the pops on a friday night they used to show it on uh was it bbc one or something which was like this old program that ran from like maybe it had ran for like 50 60 years or something and i think they stopped airing it in the late noughties when kind of downloads became popular and people didn't really follow the charts as much I guess um but it was this iconic Friday night show it was my favorite tv show and yeah they'd get all the top charting artists to like perform on it oh it was great those were the days but yeah um one of the first albums I ever 
Loved was stripped by Christina Aguilera, which remains one of my favorite albums to this day. I mean, it's fucking incredible. And um, <laughs> yeah, I just, from the age of seven or eight, I just started to fucking love pop culture. You know, it was the days of Christina Aguilera. You had the Black Eyed Peas with Where Is The Love, Shut Up, uh, Hey Mama, Let's Get It Started. Oh my God. And they had that game, The Herbs, Sims in the City. So it was like a Sims game on the PlayStation 2 with the Black Eyed Peas but in Simlish, and you had to, like, earn street cred to get to, like, the next levels and stuff. Oh, my God, that was such a good game. If anyone remembers that, let me know. I actually, when I was about 21, I bought my ex-boyfriend a PlayStation 2 and, like, all the old games that we had both loved as kids. I'm not really much of a gamer, but he fucking loved it, and I'm pretty sure one of the games I got him was the Herb Sims in the City. And, I mean, those games now, as an adult, and just... (laughs) I've got like this idea of how good they were in my head as a kid, but realistically, nowadays they're pretty unplayable. <laughs> but oh my goodness, I used to I used to love Herb Sims in the City. I would always make my character a really pretty girl with like lip gloss and like cute clothes <laughs> and flirt with all the boys. So, you know, the signs were there. <laughs> Another big love of pop culture for me definitely manifested itself in what kind of films I liked. I was very, very into like the rom-com chick flicks, uh, (laughs) like teenage high school dramas, like, you know, that kind of stuff. And I mean, the noughties was just the best years for those kind of films, right? Um, I actually remember once I took my mum and her boyfriend at the time, so I must have been like a teenager. They were like, right, we're going to go for a day out, just the three of us, like, we'll go and see a film, like, what do you want to go and see? And I, (laughs) I took them to see... The Proposal, starring Sandra Bullock. (laughs) And literally, me, my mum, and her boyfriend at the time were the only people in the cinema who weren't either a group of girls or, like, a girl who had dragged their boyfriend to go and see it. (laughs) And, like, it had been my choice of film. Like, oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, Like I ever needed to try and hide the fact I was gay, you know. But anyway, what I'm saying is the noughties rom-coms were just pop culture at its finest. You know, Lindsay Lohan, Amanda Bynes, just two icons that provided us with fucking incredible film after incredible film. You know, uh, there was Freaky Friday, Mean Girls, What a Girl Wants. Um, What else did Amanda Bynes do? Oh, so many iconic ones. She's the man. Just the other day, actually, I watched 13 going on 30 for the first time since I was a kid. And it was one of my favourite films when I was younger. But I must have been closer to the age of 13 when I used to watch it. And the other day, I must—I literally watched it for the first time as an adult. And like, I'll be 30 in like three and a half years. Oh, that makes me feel weird to say. Um, But I watched it and it was like, oh my god, I'm watching this film from the perspective of the adult now. It's very bizarre. But what a fucking, what a brilliant film, you know? That is a... Oh, the noughties were just the best. Obviously, Crossroads starring Britney Spears. I mean, I've got a whole whole load more to say about Britney Spears. Um, Her impact on my childhood was pretty significant. Um, But yeah, Crossroads, I mean, that is not a very good film, but it is also a fucking brilliant film. I... <laughs> When I was living in Australia, actually, I forced my friends to watch it several times. And I have done that many times in my adult life, actually. I've got a lot of love for that film. And um, oh, what other ones can I think of? Not another teen movie. Iconic. I could still sing the prom song from that from start to finish. I love that film so much. And uh, I mean, Bridesmaids came a little bit later, as did The House Bunny and Easy A. But I definitely consider those ones 
in that realm of just like fucking iconic films. Oh my goodness, I feel like I just want to have a sleepover with a bunch of girls and have a movie marathon and watch all of these right now. Oh, amazing. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, oh my God. Take me, you know, the noughties were just the best decade ever weren't they let's be honest i feel like i i feel like i say that every single episode i definitely have said it several times but i really mean it it was great a very specific pop culture moment i remember being obsessed with that sticks with me from when i was like eight was um the tattoo the two russian girls releasing the song all the things she said oh my goodness so they were dressed in like little school uniforms kissing in the rain a little bit uh a little bit inappropriate, you know, a little bit... I mean, they were only, like, 16, weren't they? And one of them wasn't even gay. But, um, <laughs> yeah, a little bit, uh, you know, using sexuality for clout. But do you know what? In 2003, it was a it was a big statement. And, oh, my God, I remember just loving them. And I remember my mum managed to get a copy of their, like, full-length album, and I was just obsessed. Um, hey, that may be me being obsessed with two lesbian teenage girls kissing in the rain didn't didn't make me seem that gay <laughs> but oh my god I was pro- proper into them loved tattoo um I'm pretty sure these days actually one of them has said some homophobic stuff I mean they are from Russia so it's to be expected but <laughs> yeah back then I thought they were very very iconic thinking about it I could actually talk about different pop culture moments that influenced me in some way or that I loved from my childhood for about a year. I'm just going to um, reference the main ones from now on that I've listed that I want to talk about because we'll, we'll be here all day otherwise. Um, but yeah, my mum took me to my first ever concert. Me and my younger sister, um, she, she took us to our first concert in 2004 and our second in 2006. So in 2004, she took us to see the Onyx Hotel Tour, which was Britney Spears' big tour. It was when she was really at the peak of her fame. It was the tour where she performed Toxic every time. She served us live vocals. And I mean, that is infamous between Britney fans for being her very best tour. Um, So, you know, nine-year-old me had no idea how fucking lucky he was to go and see that. (laughs) I mean, he did. He was, you know... I was very much screaming my lungs out at every single song. Um, loved it. And, oh, that was the best first concert experience. Thanks for that, Mum. I, you know, I, I really appreciate you taking me to see Britney at the age of nine. Um, and then in 2006, we went to see Christina Aguilera on her Back to Basics tour, which was actually the last time she toured the UK for well over a decade. So again, fantastic choice, Mum. Like, really spoil us but i remember so i was would have been about nine years old when i went to see britney and i was like this little kid who was like screaming their lungs out like dying that i was even in the presence of britney spears which you know same like every time i've seen her in my adult life as well i've done exactly that too so yeah (laughs) um but i remember when my mum took us to see christina i would have been like 11 or 12 and I remember, what, like, she would always surprise us, so she'd drive us, she'd be like, right, I'm driving you somewhere, but she wouldn't tell us where, and then she'd, like, surprise us, being like, we're going to see Britney, or we're going to see Christina, and when she'd taken us to see Britney, I had, like, screamed when she told us we were going, and was, like, so excited, and then, two years later, when she told us we were going to see Christina, like, no shade to Christina, I think she is a fucking babe, but I had, like, obviously started secondary school at this point and I was a little bit embarrassed by the fact that I was obsessed with these pop icons 
obviously I'm glad that that embarrassment has faded now and I'm very I very much own it but um you know I had been given all these signals at that age that liking Christina Aguilera wasn't something a boy was supposed to do so I think my mum was expecting me to like cry and scream when she told us we were going to see Christina Aguilera <laughs> inside I was crying and screaming but I remember trying to play it so cool when she was like, we're going to see Christina Aguilera. And like my sister was like screaming and being so excited. And I was like, oh yeah, cool. And I remember my mum was fuming that I hadn't been like, she was like, "You like, why don't you care? Like you should be grateful. And I was, I was just like, I am, I'm excited. But I was just like, so fucking, <laughs> it was, it was the internalized shame guys. All right. Not to bring it up again in this episode, but I was like, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, um, two very different concerts. I loved the Britney one. I was in my element. Christina brought the fucking vocals. I'm surprised she didn't deafen my little earbuds. I was so young when we went to see her. Um, but yeah, um, two concerts that, you know, when I say the first two concerts my mum ever took me to were Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera, it's very, um, very easy to see what influenced my ways. <laughs> It was when I was a teenager, like, I, I had always loved Britney Spears, but it was, it was when I was a teenager that that love really kind of turned into a total adoration. And um, do you know what? Like, I always used to think, like, I must be Britney Spears' biggest fan. Like, I absolutely adored her. But actually, so one of the reasons I started podcasting, actually, and started getting into podcasts is because I used to love this pop culture podcast called It's Britney Bitch by these two New York gays called Moo Muse and T. Kyle, um, who I, I have actually followed both of them on social media for ages. And I've met, I've met um, Bradley Moo Muse um, on a night, a Britney night actually that he hosted in New York. And um, yeah, I, <laughs> I really got into their podcast because they basically talk about Britney's career from like 1998 to 2018, which is when they started the podcast. It's like 20 years of Britney's career. And they talk so in depth about everything she's done and know so much about her. They really are super fans. And um, I actually learned a lot from listening to that. And <laughs> I was like, yeah, I actually don't know that much about Britney Spears. Not as much as I thought I did. <laughs> um, But I still consider myself a very big fan. And that... I mean, I've always loved her since I was very young, but in 2007, she released the album Blackout. And it was from there on that I really just was like, this woman, something about her makes me feel like me. I just got so much joy from her music. And then the year after that, so I would have been about 14 or yeah, I would have been about 14. She released the album Circus. And on that album is the song Womanizer. And I remember she did a performance on X Factor of Womanizer. And um, she used to just like strut across the stage and commanded it as she lip synced for her life. <laughs> and um, I, I just got so much joy from watching her perform and from the music. And I used to just strut around my bedroom as if I was Britney Spears, like miming along to Womanizer, living my fantasy. I actually remember once I had like got out the shower, gone into my bedroom and I used to have, so we lived in the countryside. So I used to have this window that kind of overlooked this country road, but no cars ever came up and down it really because it was in the middle of nowhere. And I, so my curtains were wide open. I was butt naked because I just got out of the shower and I was just strutting to Britney Spears I like thinking that no one would see me and then this this guy this guy in a tractor 
just was coming up the road and he could see me through my window, bollock naked, strutting up and down, lip syncing, pretending I was Britney. And that is definitely one of the most mortifying moments of my entire life. <laughs> you know that TikTok at the moment where it's like, waking up in the morning, thinking about so many things? Like that. That is the moment that I... <laughs> that haunts me in my dreams is me strutting up and down my room naked to Britney. I mean, do you know what? Had the tractor driver been into that, 14-year-old me was very desperate for some male attention, so I would have been much less mortified had he stopped his tractor and been like, hey. <laughs> I don't know. Oh my God, that would have been paedophilia actually, so maybe not. Um, Right, I... <laughs> Let's talk about something else. Okay, right, I've got three more things that I've listed that I want to talk about pop culture icons. So the first thing I've got listed is um, that time period. So um, we're talking about 2007, like this this time period that I'm talking about now. Pop culture was just at its peak. And the pop culture icons from this period that I particularly appreciate as well as Britney, Christina and the rest are Kate Nash, obviously goes without saying, Lily Allen, Jamie T., Razorlight, Paolo Nutini, um, who else was it? Hard Fi. Do you remember all those like indie British bands? Obviously Adele, Amy Winehouse, Duffy, just all these Brits releasing such fucking iconic British indie music. And um, oh my god, like, yeah, that was that was a time, wasn't it? All those artists are just such icons for giving us songs like Foundations. Um, Jamie T. Sheila goes out with her mate Stella. <laughs> Lily Allen. The Fear. The Fear. Oh, lyric. What, what a song. Remember when she opened for the Brit Awards? Oh, I haven't even spoke about award shows. There's there's a lot. Maybe I'm going to have to like pad these subjects out over a few more episodes because, yeah. Oh, what a time. Um, also, so the other other thing I've got listed here is The X Factor. Now, the X Factor has not aged that well, to be honest. Um, yeah, mm, but I mean, it definitely provided us with some iconic moments. And um, Saturday, like Saturday, Sunday nights before I could go out drinking, were definitely spent uh, <laughs> sitting and watching the X Factor and living from it. And um, okay, so some of my favorite X Factor contestants, first and foremost, Diana Vickers. What a fucking queen Diana Vickers was. Remember the first week of the live shows? I remember I must have watched... I haven't watched this video in a very long time, but when I was about... When would when would that have been on? Maybe when I was 12, 13? Um, I remember watching the video of her in the first week of live shows singing With or Without You over and over again. She, like, hopped on the stage barefooted and gave her signature singing voice you know and i just remember being obsessed with her from that moment i can't live with or without you and you can't have yourself away i'm gonna have to watch that after i've recorded this now <laughs> everyone go youtube diana vickers with or without you Oh, that is probably my favourite X Factor performance of all time. And then she went on to release a fucking brilliant album. She needs a comeback, actually. Diana Vickers, hun. Like, give us some new music. Um, also, another X Factor icon that I loved, Cher Lloyd. 
goes without saying, I've, I also mentioned Cher Lloyd like every fucking episode of this podcast, but I loved her. I loved her, her little um, X Factor audition. She was, well, she was only about 16, wasn't she? And she hopped on the stage and was like, all right, I'm Cher from Malvern, Worcestershire, and I'm going to sing Turn Your Swag On, but the Kerry Hilson version. And then she just fucking slays it in her uh, ripped jeans, giving all the swag. She was a very controversial figure, wasn't she, in X Factor? She was a little bit of a brat, um, from what I remember. But that's why I loved her. I love a good underdog. And um, Swagger Jagger, one of my favourite songs of all time. I mean, amazing. Then we had Kitty Brucknell, Katie Wasel, Misha B, uh, Alexandra Burke, her song, her duet with Beyonce. Leona Lewis got punched in the face <laughs> at a book signing. I mean, X Factor, it, just, it was just all the drama. I absolutely loved it. Rachel Adadeji. Rachel Adadeji. Yeah, um, sorry. I'm, for anyone who wasn't, <laughs> who wasn't a teenager or like didn't experience these times um, in the noughties, I'm just saying random stuff that doesn't make any sense. Maybe this isn't your episode. <laughs> but, um, yeah, X Factor provided us with absolutely iconic moments. Remember when Cheryl performed Fight for This Love live and like gave us live vocals and dance moves and like fully proved herself? Because everyone was like, why is Cheryl a judge on X Factor? Like she can't even sing. Like who is she to judge people? And then she like came on the show, performed Fight for This Love, absolutely nailed it and was like, bitch, this is why I'm a judge. And I remember having full blown goosebumps watching it and being like, yes, Cheryl. Oh my God. Like I'm not even like a big Cheryl fan, but I remember that performance just being everything. Um, God, I'm really outgaying myself on this episode, aren't I? YOLO! <laughs> um, the last... So this is the last pop culture icon that I've listed um, for this episode, and it is Lana Del Rey. Um, I'm going to talk about Lana Del Rey as, again a little bit later, but um, her album Born to Die came out when I was 17, so we're reaching the end of my childhood here, but this was like the last great pop culture icon that helped me into my adult life. And I can't even begin to explain how obsessed with Lana Del Rey I was when I was 17. Like, she released the Born to Die album, and, I mean, fantastic album, and just her whole aesthetic. She really invented aesthetic, actually. She invented the whole uh, moody... Because no one was doing slow songs in the charts back then. If anyone else remembers, what was it, like 2012? Everyone was releasing songs about going to the club. It was all EDM. It was like dubstep, like club music. And then Lana came onto the scene and was like, yeah, I'm just going to sing these really somber, dramatic songs and you're all going to love them. And we did. And we ate it up and she's still an icon now. But yeah, that big debut she made in 2012, she was so mysterious. She her like artistry like her music videos were so incredible oh my god i just like born to die lana del rey shout out hun like pop culture icon she like sweeped the brit awards and she just came from nowhere oh love her love you lana del rey song songwriter of our generation anyway right (laughs) um this episode has been a bit of a mess hasn't it but i just wanted to discuss some of the pop culture icons and moments that really um defined my childhood and um that was a bunch of them (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that I've just randomly spurted information about at you. Um, but yeah, I, I asked some of you to send me in some questions, stories and thoughts regarding icons in pop culture or iconic pop culture moments. And uh, some of you did. So let's move on to the questions, stories and thoughts section, shall we?
All right, questions, stories, and thoughts. So Eve messaged in. She said that her favourite 2000s pop culture moment was Mutia Buena releasing Real Girl. Um, yeah, I I loved Mutia's solo career, actually. My favourite song of hers was the one she did with Groove Armada, which was, what was it called? Song for Mutia. Yeah, and um, it was a proper diss track towards the Sugar Babes after she left them. It was fucking brill. Um... And also she went in Big Brother, didn't she? I really liked her in Big Brother, but she, I'm pretty sure she walked. And um, just Sugar Babes in general loved all six of the lineups or however many there were. Um, yeah, big big fan. Um, so yeah, good choice, even with you on that. Olga said the Britney Spears and Madonna kissing at the Video Music Awards. Suck it, Justin. Oh my God, yeah, what an iconic moment. And poor Christina always being overshadowed by Britney. Like when... Britney kissed Madonna, it was this big headline moment, and then Madonna turned around to kiss Christina, and the camera just, like, cut to Justin Timberlake's face, so Christina never got her moment. (laughs) But yeah, that was such an iconic performance, and it was, Madonna performed Hollywood, if you remember, she did the song Hollywood, and then, was it into Like a Prayer or something? But that was her promoting the American Life album, which is one of my favourite Madonna albums, so yes, iconic all round. Douglas said the 2009 Lady Gaga paparazzi VMA's performance. Do you know what? I'm such a shit gay. I don't actually remember that. Isn't that bad? I feel like I need to revo- someone needs to revoke my gay card for that. I remember the meat dress, and I do remember being a big Gaga fan around 2009, like the fame. Oh my god, I was obsessed with that album. Yeah. Um, my opinion of Gaga changes with the wind. Like I, I, I decide if I like her or dislike her all the time. But I did love the Chromatica album. It was very, very good. So yeah, um, love that. James said, Scoot representing the UK in the Eurovision Song Contest. Do you know what? That is very iconic. And I could do a whole episode about Eurovision, actually. I love it. And the, who's, who's seen the Eurovision movie that came out last year with Will Ferrell and um, Rachel McAdams? Obsessed with that. I could just, like, I could go on and on and on about all these different pop culture moments. <laughs> they were amazing. But yeah, thanks for sending all them in. If you if you would like to send anything in, please do um, email me. I'm hello.olliedhead at gmail.com or you can message my podcast Instagram at Talks. Now it's time for me to give you my album of the week. Now, I have already mentioned quite a few albums in this episode, being an episode about iconic pop culture moments from my childhood, but I'm going to try and keep this one topical. Um, Now, I was just talking about Lana Del Rey, and funnily enough, the Queen herself has just released her brand new album. It's her seventh studio album. I mean, she's just churning them out like no end at the minute. I think she's just announced another album as well already. Um... But yeah, Lana has never released a bad album. She always delivers. So I knew this was going to be a highlight of 2021. And believe you me, it is. Um, What I like about it, do you know what? Some people say that Lana Del Rey, all her songs sound the same. But for me, every single album she's done has sounded completely different. It's had a totally different style. It's been like a different genre. Like obviously there are the stereotypical things that Lana does with her voice and like her lyrics. But I think all her albums are completely unique. And this one is no exception. It's very different. Um, The first track on it, White Dress, is her singing in in a way we've never heard her sing like before. It's kind of like a, like the chorus, she sings it in like a whisper. And the the song is about her before she was famous, working in a restaurant um, as a waitress. And it's got this very 
kind of innocent undertone to it. But I love the things she does with her voice in this song because she's like, <laughs> it's got a lot of um, traction online. A lot of people have noticed because she's like, down at the minute music business conference, <laughs> which is just the most iconic line ever. Like, I love it. Like, down at the minute music. I, I, down at, she's like whispering. She's like, down at the minute music business conference oh it's so iconic if you listen to the album you'll know what i'm talking about it's so good um then obviously there's the title track chemtrails over the country club and um let me love you like a woman which are both fab songs there's a song called wild at heart which i love also oh what's the one dark but just a game not all who wonder are lost that's a highlight for me do you know what actually there honestly there's not a bad song on this album it's really really good and um I actually think it's up there, maybe in my top three Lana albums. I mean, I have to wait for the hype to die down before I fully decide that that's the case. But for me, yeah, Born to Die, Born to die will always be my number one just because I've got so many memories attached to it. Her last album, Norman fucking Rockwell, was a masterpiece as well. So that's my second favourite album of hers. I think this might be my third. I don't know. We'll see. But I, I am... I'm hyping this one up at the minute. I'm a big fan and I like that she's she's done something a little bit different with it. So, yeah. Chemtrails Over the Country Club is the name of the album. Um, it's the new one from Lana Del Rey. And I highly recommend you go and give it a listen because it is, it's a bit more stripped back than her previous stuff. Um, a little bit less melodramatic, although, you know, that is still there in, in parts. Um, but yeah, really, really good listen. I'd say a good one if you're, like, chilling out. Maybe you're in the bath or... You're just um, doing some meditation. I'd say it's it's a nice little one to have in the background. And um, if you have to give any track a listen, White Dress is probably my favourite just because of the Down at the Minute Music Business Conference. Yeah. Things that make you go. Things that make me go. Yeah. All right, it's time for me to give you the thing that I love and the thing that I hate this week. So this week, the thing that makes me go is Bimini Bomboulash from RuPaul's Drag Race. Right, anyone who hasn't seen the finale of RuPaul's Drag Race UK, please, I'm probably going to give some, well, no, I'm definitely going to give some spoilers away here. So, um, I mean, it, ah! it, <laughs> I didn't mean to put that one there, sorry. Um, it aired, uh, when did it air? Like two weeks ago. So if you haven't seen the finale, then um, what are you playing at? But also you might want to skip a little bit ahead. But yes, it was the finale of RuPaul's Drag Race. And um, I'm not going to lie, was a little bit fuming with the results um, because Bimini Bomboulash. I'm not gonna lie. She was the she was the clear winner, wasn't she? She she aced Snatch Game. She gave us phenomenal looks every week, apart from that one week where she popped the balloons and they didn't pop. That was a bit embarrassing. But every other week, she slayed the looks. She was just an all rounder. Um, her verse in UK Hun was phenomenal. And she is incredible non-binary representation, like the whole episode where her and Ginny Lemon were discussing um, their identity as non-binary people. Like, it was just, she was just the perfect contestant in my eyes. And I was very upset that she didn't win and she came second. No hate to Lawrence Cheney, who was the winner. I wasn't, I thought, he, I thought Lawrence Cheney was a great contestant. 
and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> but Bimini Bomboulash. Oh, and that name as well for a dragon. Bimini Bomboulash. I'm just, I, I'm a super fan now. I follow, I don't normally follow the queens from RuPaul's Drag Race on Instagram because I'm just not really interested enough in makeup and looks for it to be all over my newsfeed. But I had to follow Bimini because I just think she is an absolute queen and she deserves, she deserves to be mentioned on my episode about icons and iconic moments. And Bimini, you are the moment, honey. So yeah, um, this week my <sighs> is Bimini Bon Boulash, Queen of Norwich. Love her. And now for the thing that makes me go. <sighs> and this week it has to be living under lockdown restrictions. <sighs> yeah, I'm so, 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 so over it now. It's been a year. It's been a year this week since the UK first went into lockdown and since I flew home from Australia. And um, I did post a TikTok actually of me with the little clown thing on my face going beep beep ba beep ba bo beep ba beep bo and the the caption was um a year ago i decided to fly home from australia because i thought living in the uk would be the best thing to do during the pandemic um <laughs> obviously hasn't been the case australia up and running now you know um i think sydney has just like stopped face masks being necessary anywhere um because they have defeated covid whereas here not quite the case. Our numbers are getting lower, but it's still not great over here. Um, so yeah, I'm not having the best time in lockdown right now. I just, I miss social occasions. I miss going out, being able to do normal things. It's like the little things that you miss that you took for granted, isn't it? And like, I just really want to go out, party with my friends, see people, have fun, have opportunities, do things. And like, literally you can't do anything in this lockdown really, can you? Um, so, I mean, you can, but it's very limited and sometimes you just need a bit of human connection. I think that's such an important thing and such an important part of our lives. And to be stripped of that is shite. Um, I understand it is necessary to stop the spread, but it doesn't make it any easier. (laughs) So this week, my (sighs) goes to lockdown restrictions. I honestly, I'd rather like die of covid than be stuck in this house for another year like can we just like please please oh i'm i'm praying this vaccine gives us uh, like a life where we don't have to be doing this anymore anyway um that's that so that was my uh, and my uh, of the week sounds like i'm listening to a fucking porno all right so um there we go that is my episode on iconic pop icons <laughs> iconic pop icons how many times do you think that i've said the word iconic in this episode um i don't know if someone's really bored in lockdown give me a count i bet it is over 30 <laughs> um you know i've given you some recommendations as always the new lana del rey album chemtrails over the country club love that and um yeah thanks for listening it's been a little bit of a shorter episode this week but honestly I didn't want to bore you all with my vast pop culture knowledge because I don't know how many people are actually going to be listening to this episode being like, oh yeah, I was a big Diana Vickers fan in 2009 as well. Like, if you were, let me know, you know? (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's it for me this week. Thanks for listening. Uh, Next week, I've got a special guest coming on the podcast. Very excited about that. So it'll be back to me practicing my interview skills (laughs) rather than just sharing really weird knowledge about... um, x-factor contestants and uh (laughs) britney spears and christina aguilera but i mean i mean if you'd love me to cover more pop culture stuff please let me know um, if you've got any suggestions 
Also, please go onto Apple Podcasts if you're that is your chosen app to listen to podcasts on or whatever app you listen on and go and rate me five stars. It would mean a lot to me um, because I do put a lot of effort into these episodes. Um, it, does, it might not sound like it, but I actually, it takes me a fucking while to edit all of these together, all right? Um, and yeah, I think that is everything I've got to say this week. Um, go follow my TikTok at Ollie Ted Lewis. <laughs> Or, um, yeah, email me in, hello.olliedhead at gmail.com if you want to, I don't know, send me anything. Or you can find my podcast Instagram at Talks. Just doing doing all the promos here. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that's, that's me. So uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for taking the journey with me through my pop culture icons of my childhood. And I will see you all in the next episode. Ta-ra! Ollie Lewis is a podcasting god. (laughs) Great, that one's going on the trailer.